Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome back to our one a day draft series. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. And we called an audible tonight. QB1 is out. Wide receiver one is up. We figured, you know, I'm using Miles in the promos for all this. Gotta get him in off the bench in the game. Gonna talk to us tonight. Miles, back from vacation. How you doing? How you been? Good man, coming off the bench is kind of what I do, so that <laughs> that's that's a perfect that's a perfect spot for me. Boom, boom, coming in, coming in, ready, coming in, gunning. So, uh, you know, we got Miles here, and obviously, uh, when when Miles comes in, generally we're talking about uh, the skill position players, the players who are far away from the trenches where we got this thing started. So, you know, wide receiver one, we're gonna start right off here with uh with wide receivers. I figure that's just fitting, makes some sense, and uh, as we get into this thing. Wide receiver is is often a very polarizing subject, especially as you look at draft Twitter this year. Rankings are all over the place. Some people, I've seen a lot of steam lately for Hakeem Butler's wide receiver one. People are going to the mat for DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, uh, Keneal Harry. Like people are all over the place. I saw some top five rankings that Hunter Renfro in them earlier today, which was what? like, wow, what? Yeah, I, man. I love I love Hunter Renfro too, and you know that, but. Top five. What? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So folks are really all over the place. You played the position at a higher level than most. Uh, so when you're looking at, you know, some film to really decide how you are going to start to rank wide receivers, what are you actually looking at? Because there seems to be a lot of confusion about what is actually important when people talk about, you know, quote unquote traits for a wide receiver. Yeah, so for me, what I like to start with, I like to just kind of see how a guy works out the line of scrimmage. What's their first move? Um, what are they seeing? Are they, are they recognizing coverages? Um, the, but the, you know, obviously the biggest part is, uh, the ability off the line of scrimmage. What's the first, what's the first move they make, how they make it? Um, is there a false step in there? Uh, some of those small little details, they matter, especially when you get to the NFL level when you're going up against guys like Patrick Peterson and, you know, formerly, you know, Jarrell Rivas, guys like that, Xavier Rhodes, you know, some of the better players and, um, some of the better athletes in the world. Uh, it, it takes a lot to beat some of those guys off the line of scrimmage. So um, that's stuff I look for. Um, I look for physicality. Um, I look for, I, like I said earlier, I look for how they recognize coverages. Uh, can they can they process quickly? Um, because a lot happens in, in a matter of seconds. Just like, you know, most other positions, something's always changing. Things are always changing as, you're, as, as the play is going on. So uh, being able to read and recognize uh, plays on the fly, it, it takes a lot, especially when for some of these guys who are moving so fast. Um, 
those are those are some key things for me. And then also, obviously, the route running. I th- I just think that's the big that's the that's the biggest trait I look for um, when I'm when I'm scouting receivers is how are these guys in and out of breaks? How are they? What are they doing to set up the the, the defensive backs to uh, to gain and win leverage to manipulate uh, to man- manipulate hips and feet so that they're getting themselves open? Um, that's it's extremely important. Uh, creating creating as much separation as possible is 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 a way that you need to win. Um, that's uh, plain and simple. Like you, you just need to make sure that what what you do is um, however however you can win. Some guys use physicality. Some guys use feet. Um, for me, at the end of the day, though, it really is um, about the footwork because uh, I think that's more important than physicality. Just because I think if you can get a guy, if you can if you can keep a guy away from you um, in press coverage, and you can, like I said, manipulate. Um, hips and feet you're gonna you're gonna do you're gonna go a long way and you should probably you'll, you'll probably have a successful career so one of the things you mentioned there is kind of false steps and 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 other things that maybe just because the the player that you're looking at is a superior athlete might work for them in in college but maybe not in the pros could you break down a little bit more for someone who just really doesn't know what does that mean and what are some of the things that you know maybe you'll see someone and they're winning and they're getting a lot of space and they're doing some things that you know, will work for them in college, but maybe as they transition into the pro game, those sorts of things or those sorts of habits won't follow them there. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is it, it's really about, <clears throat> so when you, you line up as a receiver, it doesn't matter whether you're out wide or in the slot. Um, you know, I was I was always taught inside foot forward, but I, I, it doesn't really matter. I think, I mean, it, it, it technically does matter depending on what the, the route concepts are and if it's a timing route. Um, if you need to go off of a certain amount of steps, stuff like that. But we don't, we don't really need to get into too much of that. But what I do is I focus on the feet and I focus on that first step. The first step from your, your, your front foot should be the first step going forward so, or lifted up. So, so when I say that, you're, you're leaning forward. Um, you kind of, you're, I was always taught to kind of curl your toes because that helps kind of lean you forward a little bit more so that you're not – uh, you're not taking that false step. You're not taking a, an extra stutter step. Um, so it, it it takes a lot of nuance, um, a lot of work. But that's something I always keep my eye on. What is the guy's first? What is the what is the receiver's first step off the line of scrimmage? And is it is? And if it's against press coverage, how are they winning against press coverage with their feet? Because yes, you need you need strong hands. You need quick hands to to beat press coverage. But at the end of the day. What you need to be able to do is 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 to win with your feet because that's that's how you're going to get guys to to lunge and reach, or that's how you're going to get guys to uh, to to second guess themselves or or guess in general because it's a mind game. That's really what it is at the line of scrimmage. So um, I'm keeping an eye on on how they're winning off the line of scrimmage, and those those false steps really do matter because if you're taking a false step, that's that's a split second longer that it's going to take you to get to get in and out of your breaks or get to your, your depth for whatever route you're being asked to run. Awesome. 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 So, you know, it's, it's, it's your first time here in the hot seat. So I'm just going to run you and, and everyone else who should have been following along today, but if not just quick synopsis of what's about to go down here, miles is going to give us his favorite handful of players. So, you know, two, three, however he really feels like giving us here, but he's going quick. He's on a clock for day one little bit of analysis on those day two and then the players we should be looking at later on in the draft so miles you ready yeah all right day one and this is where i'm really interested to get your takes because like i said 
as you're starting to, as I'm really starting to get into the draft stuff now and starting to listen to more dynasty podcasts and all these things, it really seems like there isn't a strong consensus this year. Everyone is all over the place. So I'm very interested. Who are your favorite wide receivers on, on day one in this draft and, and why? Yeah. So I'm going to start real quick. Uh, the overall, um, you know, my overall view of this wide receiver class, I don't view it as extremely top heavy. Um, I really struggle with seeing more than two, maybe three receivers going in the first round, especially in the top 15 for me. I don't, I wouldn't take any of these receivers in the top 15. That's just my opinion. Um, I think there are some round one capable wide receivers, and I'm sure that'll be more than what I'll, I'll tell you what I believe there should, <laughs> that should go in, in, in on day one. But um, I think this is an extremely deep wide receiver class as you get into um, the middle, um, the middle rounds, you know, three, four five. I think you're going to find a lot of talent there. Um that that's not as far off from the the day one and day two talent, um, but I'll start on day one. I really only have two wide receivers right now that I, I believe are, are day one um, day one players. Um, I'll start with uh, my my top wide receiver is Hakeem Butler. Um, his height, weight, speed. Um, I mean, the the guy's an athletic freak. Um, I don't think he's quite on the level of a prospect, but when you look at his his skill set, um, body body style, athleticism. Um, he's got some AJ Green to him. Um, I know I've I've talked with Jared about this. Um, he's definitely not that not that fluid of a of an athlete as as what AJ Green was and is um, when he was coming out of Georgia. But he definitely has a similar skill set to him. Um, I th- I think the the concentration and drops are a little bit more um, of a concern than it obviously was for AJ Green. AJ Green was one of the um, checked like almost every box you could ask for as a receiving prospect, but uh, Akeem Butler's up there. I think he's a, he's a really good um, athlete who he's, like I said, not as fluid, but he's a guy that, that wins with his size wins with his long arms. Um, I like to call him an accuracy racer because his arms are so long that, you know, even some, uh, some off target throws, he, he finds a way to, you know, to get his hands on him. So um, sometimes I think, some of the drops that he had, he got he you know he got accounted for were were more of bad passes that most receivers aren't getting their hands on that he's his ability to get his hands on them but sometimes he was, wasn't able to corral in but uh, that's kind of where I see him he's he's my top rated receiver um, I, like I said I, I don't see a, a top fifteen receiver in this class but I believe he's a, a day one uh, wide receiver for sure um, number two for me is uh, AJ Brown actually. Um, I know it's going to surprise some people. Um, it's not his his teammate at Ole Miss. It's for me. It's AJ Brown. I think I just think he does a little bit of everything extremely well. Um, he works from the slot, works from the outside. He's physical. Um, he's not afraid to go across the middle and catch the ball away from his body. Uh, strong hands. Uh, he's a playmaker with the ball in his hands too. Um, can run. Um, can can work in the screen game as well as. Uh, um, and the intermediate routes uh, struggles a little bit downfield. I, I, I'm a little concerned to see how, how he'll do winning, you know, past 10 to 15 yards uh, at the NFL level. Not because he's slow, because we, we saw his, uh, his testing numbers weren't, were not slow at, by any means, but um, his play, his play style and his, his big, and he, and he's like a big, a big broad, broad receiver. Um, I'm just curious to see how he, how he'll win at the next level, because I really feel like a lot of people are going to put him in that slot 
style position, which I, I, I mean, I have no problem with, but um, he's that kind of guy that that's going to win in the inter- short and intermediate routes, I think, better than he is downfield. But he's definitely one of those guys that um, I, I think you could plug into and, and be a day one starter. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that I think he could play on the outside at the, at the next level. Uh, but I see a lot of teams that are going to – I would be surprised if teams viewed him as more of a slot. Okay, I love that. And uh, I guess I'm, I'm not surprised generally just because of the way that you generally do your, your your analysis when you're looking at the wide receiver position. You tend to be a little bit more a little bit more critical, I think a little bit less uh, optimistic when kind of projecting a class. And, and so I guess it's not overly surprising with a class that has as many questions and lack of consensus for you to only have two – on day one that you would be choosing there. So as we get in, you said it's a deep class. We're getting to day two. Give me a couple of people that you love on day two. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got to throw DK Metcalf in there. I mean, like I said, as a day one prospect, I I, I, have, I have concerns um, just because I think there's a lot left there. I think there's a lot of risk you're taking. He has, he has the highest upside of any receiver in this class. I don't think it's close. I mean, the guy's a, a physical freak. He's literally that, that word – as a as a prospect he's a freak uh but there's some things that are that are kind of holding him back uh injuries are are a major concern for him he's you know missed he had, he's had two season ending injuries um foot a foot a foot injury and a neck injury last year i personally i think i'm i'm concerned with how big he's gotten and how big he might continue to get unless they want to just make him some big slot <laughs> tight end whatever because of his athleticism but i if they want to keep him on the outside, I, I struggle with him being like a 235, 240 pound receiver. Um, I don't think he weighed in that, but he was a little over 230, I think, at the combine. He just looked a little bit too big for me, and I think it. And you, and I think you could tell in his workouts, especially some of the the drills like the three cone, where he was historically bad, tested historically, tested historically bad at the combine in the three cone. I think it was because of some of the the size that he gained while he was hurt. Um, he obviously was in the weight room a lot. Um, I think they said his body fat was something extremely low. Um, and like I said, he's one of those guys, though, I think he does everything extremely well. He's he's explosive. He's physical, uh, catches the ball away from his body. Um, but the production, the production just wasn't there. Obviously, injuries derailed some of that. Um, but I also think that the, they viewed AJ Brown as their number one receiver, and it showed. It showed in the way they, uh, what what they had for their pecking order in terms of of who they went to. But so I, I'm curious. I I struggle with with people who view him as the top, you know, ten fifteen prospect. As do you really believe that he could step in in day one and, and lead your team and be your be your top a top receiver on an NFL or on an NFL team um, when he's never done it and. When you you know when you draft a guy that high that, that that's the expectation the expectation is for them to come in and be a a wide receiver one right away and um, and dominate as, as you would say so um, I struggle seeing that right away I struggle with putting that expectations on him uh, but on day two I'd take him in a heartbeat I think um, I think he's one of those guys that that really has a chance to be um, he has a chance to be really good um, I, like I said I just kind of pointed out some of the concerns that. Um, that make me worry uh, about a day one prospect. Um, another guy that I really like, uh, Debo Samuel. He's kind of in that uh, AJ Brown mold in terms of what I view him as being asked to do at the next level. He's probably going to be more viewed as a as a slot receiver. 
Um, he's, but he's, you know, a really good route runner. We saw at the, at the senior bowl, he, he killed it. I think he was probably the best wide receiver at the senior bowl that, that week. Um, I think, uh, he's electric with the ball in his hands. Um, extremely good in short area, um, quickness and has really good build up speed. Uh, where I'm concerned with him though, is him winning downfield is kind of a, a worry for me. Um, I think that I don't view, I view him more as, as a, an interior interior slot receiver who who isn't asked to win downfield a lot, which I have no problem with. Um, but I just I think that's kind of a, a concern of mine for him. Um, and then obviously injuries. I think um, he's he's battled quite a bit of injuries throughout his career um, to date. So I think that's something to to worry about. Um, my next receiver is one of my favorite um, one of my favorite receivers in this class. I think um, everybody's kind of caught on to it now. But um, Terry McLaurin from Ohio State. I think he he's definitely one of those guys that got overshadowed um, playing in an offense with uh, that that spreads the ball around a lot that does a lot of different things. Um, he was a con- he was consistent though, um, and in this and his senior year he had eleven touchdowns. Um, he's a detailed route runner. He has elite speed. Um, I think he can play inside and outside. And then uh, an important thing that I think teams are really going to value is the fact that he he's a special teams contributor. So he's a guy that can come in and and be a, a work on uh, work on all phases of special teams. He can be a punt, a punt gunner. Um, he can work down on kickoff. Uh, probably could return some kicks and punts too. Um, I don't think he's asked to do that too much at uh, at Ohio State, but I think it's something he's capable of doing. Um, he can be a body catcher at times, which um, can kind of be a concern when you're going when you're you're trying to create separation against NFL cornerbacks if you're not willing to go get the ball away from your body. Um, doesn't win in the short area as much as I'd like him to. Um, for someone as fast as he is, he I, I think he kind of has. You could tell he kind of has some of that sprinter strides uh, in him. He's got the longer strides, so I'd like to see him be able to work a little bit better um, in the short area. Um, and then obviously the the limited production was kind of the uh, the other factor there that um, that kind of pushes him down a little bit because I think I don't. I'm not. He's not a white. He's not to me viewed as an upside, a wide receiver one upside. He's more viewed as uh, having a chance to be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. That's kind of the range I have him at. So I think that's kind of what pushed him down for me a little bit too. Um, and then the la- uh, last two guys for me, and Keel Harry, I know I know you had mentioned him earlier, Jason. Um, he's a guy who's fearless across the middle. He's a playmaker with the ball in his hands. Um, and he does a good job of using his uh, physicality to kind of create some leverage. Um, but like some of these other guys, like an A.J. Brown or a Debo Samuel, he doesn't – can he win downfield? He wasn't really asked to do that very often. Uh, he ran a lot of screens, a lot of um, sweeps, end around, stuff like that. Um, they used him as their do-it-all uh, playmaker, which I have no issue with. But I need to know if, if you're drafting him to be a, your outside X receiver, he's 6'2", 220, um, can he win? Can he win downfield? He tested uh, mid-4-5s, which I think is a really good time for him. but. Um, it's just something that on tape you don't really see very often. So um, that's kind of a concern for me. And just the fact that he did ask, he was asked to run a lot of screens and, and quick throws uh, just kind of makes you want to – makes you looking for more um, when you watch his film. I just want to see if he can do a little bit more. You know, would have liked to be able to see if he could go do things like the Senior Bowl, but obviously not as an underclassman, but um, stuff like that. But I really like, really like his upside, I think. I think if he can prove that he can win off the line of scrimmage as like an outside X receiver and 
not being pigeonholed into that that slot position, I think he he does have some really good upside. And my last guy um, that I'll I'll pinpoint on uh, day two that I really like. Um, I've called him. I call him. The, I think he's the best route runner in this draft class. Uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. from Nebraska. Um, he could play inside and outside. Uh, I think he does extremely well um, using his leverage and his 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 footwork to to win off the line of scrimmage and to win in and out of routes. Uh, catches the ball away from his body, but at the same time, I think he he's one of those guys where uh, he does a good job of understanding when to use his body to catch passes across the middle, um, which he's fearless of doing it. You know, I, what I love, love watching a guy who's, who's not afraid to go across the middle and make tough catches, which he does. Um, and then he, he does, he's pretty good in, um, in jump ball situations for a guy that's a little over six foot. Um, I, I liken him a little bit to a, like a, a Devonte Adams light. Um, not, not sure if he's, he's not quite the, uh, run after catch, uh, player Devonte Adams is, but I think his route running ability and his ability to win, and ability to play inside and outside um, is one of those that I that that's really intriguing for me. Boy, what's funny there is that a lot of the people that you like a guy like Enkeel Harry, I've seen some people say that he's the wide receiver one in this whole class. So to have you with him on day two just kind of speaks to how wide the the opinions are on the players in this class. But uh, yeah, day three, moving this thing along here. Give me your uh, your favorite sleepers, I guess, the people that you think maybe could come in at the very end of a draft and uh, do some things, maybe turn into something, defy the odds and become another Stefan Diggs or you know, Adam Thielen <laughs> for your team. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Antoine Wesley from – from I'll keep this one pretty quick. I know I kind of got going there, but um, Antoine Wesley from uh, Texas Tech, he's a um, 6'4", you know, 210-pound receiver. He's extremely fast, um, runs pretty good routes, catches the ball away from his body extremely well. You don't see very many drops from him at all. Um, but he only had one year of production, uh, so that's something that worries me a little bit, and I'm sure that'll um, drop him down. But he's a, a guy with some really good upside. Uh, Keelan Doss from UC Davis. Um, I've seen some people um, call him uh, Keenan Allen, or they've compared him to Keenan Allen. You know, that's my guy. So, you know, that, that kind of puts a spotlight on him for me. But I did. I, I did like his um, his ability to to win his route running and his soft hands and catch radius. Um, he was the kind of the did it all for for UC Davis in that offense. Um, I like him a lot. Um, I think he he might need to be a primary slot receiver at the next level. Um, he's six two, another six two two fifteen type of receiver. But um, I think his footwork's extremely detailed, and he's a guy that um, that I like a lot. But I, I I worry about his downfield ability as well. Demarcus Lodge from Ole Miss. I think I've named all the Ole Miss receivers now, but Demarcus Lodge, he's a he's just one of those guys that tracks the ball extremely well. Um, he he's another one of the guys that got overshadowed because of his teammates, but um, really good awareness around the sidelines and runs really good routes. Um, so he's a guy I like on day three as well. Uh, and then lastly, Darius Slayton from uh, from Auburn. Um, he's a downfield speed uh, speed threat. He's one of those guys that you know just ask him to run um, deep posts. Uh, you know, deep, deep curl routes, uh, deep in routes, stuff like that, you know, go routes. Uh, he's the, he's that kind of guy that you just want to help um, loosen up the defense a little bit. And he, he's, he's your guy. Uh, there's some drop concerns a little bit, but, uh, and, and he could use some work on, on, on his route running, but I do like that he can win at all three levels because of his speed and because of the things he was asked to do. He's good after the catch. So um, those are, those are a few guys in day three. I really like, 
Um, and then I'll just talk about a couple, a few UDFAs I like. I won't even go to detail, but just some names. I think Penny Hart, um, I think him not getting invited to the combine was kind of telling. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he got drafted. I believe he should, but he's a guy to, to keep an eye on um, late in the draft. Jeff Smith is a guy I've talked about from Boston College, former former quarterback. Uh, it says They said he ran a, a sub 4-2 at his pro day. Um, he's a guy that I think could come in and be uh, some help on special teams and uh, and could be kind of a gadget player or a practice squad kind of guy. Uh, last two, John Deion, Tompkins from Penn State. I don't think I've heard anybody talk about him. Um, he's a guy that I believe could come in and be a, um, a special teams. Uh, he's a really good punt, punt returner, um, and I think he could come in and be a potential practice squad type of player in year one and maybe work his way into the field at some point. Um, and then Andre Wilson from UAB, um, he's a smooth athlete. Uh, I thought I thought he um, ran really detailed and really good routes, uh, but he's a guy that I don't think many people know about. But I uh, didn't run the fastest forty. He's not the the fastest guy, but he's pretty quick. So um, I liked I like some of those guys uh, as UDFAs. Boom. Well, there we go. Miles coming in day one, giving us not just names on day one, day two, and day three, giving us UDFAs to be looking out for as well. That's why you are who you are. Miles, thank you very much. Coming on, recording with me today, keeping this thing going with the one a day draft series. And as we've mentioned on most, if not all of the other episodes, make sure that you go and cop jr's draft guide it's going to be dropping soon and it is going to be outstanding but uh that's it that's all thanks for sticking with us and uh yeah we'll have another one of these for you tomorrow have a good one Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from zero to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.